Hey, this is Kevin Pollack, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. But I guess you knew that, didn't you? Unless, of course, you lost your head. By that guy, Sean Whalen. How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very well indeed. Awesome. It's a sunny day out here in Los Angeles. Ah, it's a cold uh, winter night here in Massachusetts. Uh, Snow on the ground. Yeah, there's something to be said for seasons. Yeah. Um, But there's also something to be said for throwing on a t-shirt, which is (laughs) kind of nice, too. Yeah, 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 it's like 20 degrees at the moment. Uh, first of all, actually, where did that guy come from? Uh, that was actually uh, Scott M. Kempel, who runs The Walking Dead. He's a friend of mine and has been a friend of mine since uh, right after he got out of USC writing school a couple years after we met on the Cartoon Disney show. And we went out to lunch, and he said he was talking about how cool it is that I'm a character actor, that I get to do all these different kind of genres. And he said, you know, you're that guy. I mean, you're going to be able to be that guy. You can do anything you want. You have even more opportunities than, you know, uh, headliners like Tom Cruise or whatever. You can do more than them. You can do every genre. And and so he said, you know, become that guy, that guy that everybody wants to see in everything. And I thought that's a really good idea. So that was my brand that I put out there. Yeah. Now, I've heard other characters, actors have done the same thing, so he <laughs> or I were highly original, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah, yeah. They all stole <laughs> And I guess there's a documentary called That Guy in That Thing, and it's all about character actors. And I'm not in that one. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, so though, playing all different uh, genres, like, you know, this is uh-huh. a horror show, so, you know, people probably listen and know you mostly from uh, the different uh, horror movies, but... Uh, yeah. When you're out and about, and like in the real world, like uh, which which like characters do people uh, recognize you from? You know, it just depends. A lot of times, they just know my face and they know I'm an actor, but they can't put it down. You know, they mm-hmm. can't they can't nail it down to something specific. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times, they'll just say, "You're an actor, right?" And then we'll go through a list. But you, I definitely have you know, got my people and my guesses based on who they are. So 
older women know me from Bold and the Beautiful, uh, a stint I did on there. Um, obviously, horror fans know me as Roach. Um, um, younger women from like 20 to 50, 45 know me from Never Been Kissed. And young 20-somethings or college kids know me from Wizards of Waverly Place. And then sci-fi geeks know me from Lost. And so there's a bunch of different people, you know, it always depends on who they are. Yeah. But I can take a good guess and I go, oh, you must know me from X, you <laughs> uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. You have a really, uh, it's a really funny video you have on YouTube where uh, it's about you being uh, uh, confused with uh, Steve Buscemi. Now, yes. Is that like, yeah. has that really happened? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, all the time. And and it's so funny. I'm in a movie out now called The Axe Murders of Villisca. Mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend it. It's uh, directed by Tony Valenzuela from Black Box Television on YouTube. And he uh, found me or, or wanted me to play this axe-murdering priest because he saw that video of me apologizing to Steve Buscemi for, <laughs> um, for him being confused as me. I've been confused for him many a time, yeah. but him being confused for me is what the video is about is me feeling really bad mm-hmm. that somebody went up to him and I guess this is a true story because there's people who worked on Armageddon and they walked up to him and said um, oh I love you in the milk commercial <laughs> and and I heard that and I just cringed and thought oh you know he's an amazing New York trained actor he's been in obviously every genre possible as well and great parts and I'm honored to be confused for him but I felt really bad that he was thought of as the milk guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you just mentioned uh, the axe murders of, uh, is it Velisca? Is that how you say that? Velisca? Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, give us an idea of what that movie's about. Well, the, I'll tell you right now, the, I, I was a little unhappy when I heard that they changed the name from Velisca to the axe murders of Velisca, and it was the programming or the, the marketing. Um Velisca is a, based on Tony Valenzuela and his friends, went to the Velisca household, which is one of the most haunted houses in America, because in 1910, there was uh, eight people murdered in the house, two adults, six children, and they never solved the case. And people just say it's very, it's one of the most haunted places in America. Um, and he spent the night there, said it was just an ungodly evil that he's never experienced. And couldn't talk about it for a couple of years until friends said, you have to write this down. And he kind of wrote this movie based on it. him and his friend staying in that house. And then there's flashbacks to the 1910. So, unfortunately, the title makes you think um, it's about the 1910 solely, when it's really about um, the haunted house now. And... Uh, my girlfriend's a huge horror buff, and she said, look, this reminds me of the really good 90s horror films that we used to have. Um, and, you know, like uh, Final Destination and, and things like that, where they, you know, they they unraveled young people. And that's what this is. It's three uh, three high school kids in, a, in the house for the night. And it's loosely based on Tony spending the night there. So um, it was pretty it, it, it's a i think it's a really fun movie in that vein it's a great movie while you're flipping through 
the only thing I worry about is people who get on there and say, wait, this isn't about the 1910 things, 100%, you know? Yeah. And because it, it sold a little different. But I, I really am proud of it, and I like the work I did in it. So yeah. I, do think- I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's neat when you take uh, a fictional story, but it's based on something that actually happened, because it kind of adds, even if you're not really familiar with that, it kind of adds like uh, realism to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when they, you know, when they were telling me the whole thing and I'd signed on to do it, I didn't really realize that part because he didn't put based on true events Mm -hmm. in the script. And I said, we're not shooting this in the real house. Are we not? No, 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 that's actually in Iowa. Because I was like, because I would back out because I don't like to go to places, you know, let that be. Let that be what it is. There's no reason for me to go in there and, you know, uh, act in the actual house. I think that's creepy and disturbing, you know? Um, I understand how, why some people would like that, but to me, I feel like that's, it's like, you know, messing with a Ouija board times 10. You're just asking for trouble. (laughs) Which I just used recently for the first time. What's that? I just used a Ouija board for the first time. For the first time? Interesting. You never went to sleepovers as a kid? Uh... Well, we, you did it in the tent. No one, had, no one I knew had a Ouija board when I was a kid, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you guys are playing video games. Yeah, no, I mean I grew up in the '80s. Was, well, I guess we played Atari yeah. and stuff, but yeah. But now we, uh, yeah, we went sledding and whatnot. But yeah, no, uh, no Ouija boards until recently. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. I we did them as a, that, that's the last time I did them as a kid. Yeah, I haven't done them in recent years at all. Mm-hmm. Did you believe in them? Or is it just... Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh-huh. I, I mean, as a kid, it was just kind of fun and like, ooh, creepy. But it never scared me, scared me. Yeah. I never got scared from the Ouija board. I used to get scared with the Twilight Zone. That scared me. Or, or no, I'm sorry, his follow-up show, Night Gallery. Night Gallery, that's a great show. scarier. Yeah, that was a scarier show than Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Think- Twilight Zone was weird and obtuse, but Night Gallery was scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, back to the axe murders. Uh, you have black eyes. Mm-hmm. I saw in the trailer. I haven't seen the movie yet, but it did look awesome from the trailer. Uh, yes. How hard is that? I assume that you were in contacts to have. Uh, can you? They see? did that all in post. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't have to wear any contacts, mm-hmm. so I was glad. Yeah. So that that was cool mm-hmm. um, to not have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun, and Tony was really great and got emotional performances out of everybody. The acting's really good. You know, to me, sometimes that's the problem with some little horror movies is they don't spend enough time on the acting. Mm-hmm. And I was really pleased to be a part of that, you know, that they really did care about the acting. And recently, all the movies I've done, you know, Death House and Blood Brothers, which again had a great title called Divine Tragedies, which they changed. Mm-hmm. Um, all those directors really cared about the acting, which was really nice. Yeah. I actually saw Blood Brothers. Uh, I really liked that movie because I get a lot of screeners for the show, and honestly, a lot mm-hmm. of them, you know, I watch like, oh my God, why was this made? But that one, like, and then when you see something that's good that really stands out, you know, you like to talk about it and tell people to see it. And that one really stood out. Yeah. It was cast, and it was uh, it was kind of weird, and there was a lot going on. But don't you agree that the, the Divine Tragedies is a much better title for yeah, that? Yeah, it definitely is, because Blood Brothers 
is very generic. I mean, that could be really yeah, anything. right. And it doesn't enter the creepiness or the fantastical part of that movie, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which I think is you know it makes it I don't know, but it's, it's more don't not in the wrong way, more sensual, you know. It, yeah. And that's what that movie was. It was way more central than just like, you know, there are two brothers that kill people, you know? <laughs> right. It was a lot more than that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was uh, and I, and I actually disagree with the marketing on that. I think people would go with divine tragedies. What's that? You know? I agree. And if it's in your, right. in a horror movie genre, then you'd really wonder what it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with that. It just mm-hmm. really stands out more. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned. Well, how do you how do, can you see Axe Murders of Velisca? Is it on DVD or? Uh, yeah, it's on, you can get rented on iTunes, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's all on all the streaming networks. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned yeah. Death House, and that has basically like every every actor in it, every horror. Yeah. Uh, it's they 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 call it the Expendables of Horror. <laughs> I was brought into it by my great friend and wonderful producer, Felissa Rose. Um, she got me into the movie and, and I knew Harrison Smith. So I play Satan in the movie, which is really fun. Um, and it's a, it's a, I, you know, we don't know much about it. So, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I will tell you, I worked on Harrison's new movie, um, uh, garlic and gunpowder, which is a fun kind of farcical comedy, and he showed us a clip of Death House, and I was like, "Holy crap, this is crazy! Oh, cool. This movie's insane!" <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. I think people will be uh, weirded out. Yeah. You know, it, it's a very trippy movie. Yeah, you mentioned that you kn- uh, none of you really knew uh, what it's about. When you make a movie and, you know, it's up then to, to the editing and they add, you know, uh, music and all this stuff. Um, are you ever uh, surprised by the finished project? Like uh, one way or the other? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There's some times where you just I remember I did a Lois and Clark and I love my performance. Um, I got to play two very different characters, like a nerdy, wimpy guy. And then he turns into a really assassin badass actually nazi which was really scary and you know disturbing and all this other stuff uh but my makeup looked like clown makeup the makeup person was so bad it's like it was like a round round around my face and i was younger and newer so i didn't know the difference but uh like my neck looked white and my face looked like this weird hand that was like pasted on there and and to me i was like i thought oh shoot i hope no one else sees what i see and no one really did thank goodness but you know those are the times you go oh shoot we really do depend on each other you know every department has to do a good job to support you know them to be good you know Mm -hmm. so it's it was uh but in terms of seeing the movies, um, it, it all uh, it happens a lot, you know, because we're not in control of the movie, mm-hmm. you know. And then sometimes it takes a life of its own because I, you know, Tony worked on the editing of uh, Ex Murders of Velisca for a long time and it morphed and I did a whole green screen thing with these weird makeup on that's not in the movie at all. So... 
when I saw it, I was I thought, well, he did a good job. Like he really, really worked hard to find it mm-hmm. um, from what he shot, and I thought it was great. You know, you're you're surprised in a good way, yeah. and and Blood Brothers, I was kind of what I expected because. I was, you know, to me, I was watching Divine Tragedies, you know, right. and uh, so that that kind of turned out the way I expected mm-hmm. too. But you know, a lot of that stuff was cut out. My my scenes, the opening scene, and a lot of that had to be cut out. I get why it had to be cut out because it was fifteen pages of the beginning of the movie, and I thought this <laughs> is a beginning of the movie. It's like getting far into the first <laughs> yeah. act. So I knew part of it was going to hit the cutting room floor, but you know. The rest of it was kind of what I expected, but they also made him take out some stuff. So if they, he's talking about doing a director's cut and that has crazy stuff in it, crazy stuff where a guy's, he does a fantasy with his arms or penises and they (laughs) kill people and it's, it's crazy because you know, all those weird dream sequences they had in there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a it's a crazy crazy uh, cut. So we'll, let's all hope we get to see that one. Yeah, I'd like to see that definitely. That's definitely. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, yeah, it would be really cool, actually. Yeah. Now, um, uh, did you know Gunnar Hansen at all? Because he, you know, he wrote Death House. Did... You know, I never did. I never got to meet him. We, you know, I meet most people on the convention circuit. Yeah. And I'm not steeped only in the horror community i'm actually you know i just did a disney channel tv show and have been uh going out for you know this seth mcfarland comedy a lot and i was on the show superstore so i'm not just doing horror movie after horror movie a lot of these guys are like go to the conventions and do just horror movies one after the other you know Mm -hmm. um but i've done some for sure and you know so i've got my foot in that door and i do do some and then i do other things as well so unfortunately because of that i didn't really know everybody in the horror world it took me a little while to get to know people on the convention circuit so mm-hmm. i never got to meet gunner before he passed mm-hmm. not too bad he was a really good guy yeah that's what i've heard yeah now how how did you uh you talked about your friendship with Felissa rose and i know you guys do a lot mm-hmm. of projects together how did that come about how did you meet her uh, well that is a story in itself because when i was in college in 19 so it was 83 and my best friend doug van bever who actually i'm writing a comedy show with right now that's going to be live in la um, he and I were going to be camp counselors at a sleepaway camp. Mm-hmm. So he said, we have to see this movie. And he showed me the Daily Bruin, which was the UCLA newspaper. And I said, well, what is it? Because it's called Sleepaway Camp. You go on a bus, come back in a box. We've got to go see it. And I was like, oh, my God, sounds so funny. So me, him, and a friend went. And it was, you know, Sleepaway Camp was a classic. It's cheesy it's bad it's amazing you know all at the same time and when it ended the whole audience stood up the whole audience there was maybe 20 of us and we all stood up and goes what the hell was that like what was that and everyone just came in the middle of the aisle and kept talking until the usher like had to kick us out and we were standing on the sidewalk talking we said oh we gotta bring our friends to see this movie a week later we bring our friends and it was gone 
So in those days, you had to wait like three years or something until it came out on video. And so we waited a year or two or whatever till it came out on video, and then we just showed it to everybody, all our friends, all our family. Um, Sleepaway Camp became like this culty thing. And then, 10 years later, whatever, the internet hits, and we realize we're not alone. Like, there's a ton of people who love Sleepaway Camp. And so a friend of mine bought a phone call from Phyllis on my birthday and we were talking and I remember saying like, Hey, I'm an actor too. Huh? Uh, we should get together for lunch. And she's like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> she thought it was creep. Uh-huh. And, uh, three or four years after that, I saw that she was going to, I called my friend Doug and I go, I'm going to a horror convention and guess who's going to be there? Angela from sleep. And I met her and it was insane. Literally within 15 minutes, we just bonded. We had the best time. We were laughing, having so much fun together, and we've been kind of inseparable ever since. She's one of my closest friends, and, you know, I, as she said, you know, I used to be the milk guy, you know, from that Aaron Burr milk commercial, mm-hmm. and she used to be Angela, and she said to me, I don't want to be Angela anymore. I want to be Felissa. I want people to know me as Felissa, and now they really did. They really do. She's worked her. She's so fun at conventions. She's a great producer and really works hard that now people know her as Melissa Rose that was in Sleepaway Camp instead of, oh, she's Angela. And people don't think of me as just the milk guy anymore, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But when, you ha- when you're an actor, you have to say, gosh, I don't want to be branded as the milk guy forever. Mm-hmm. Just like she doesn't want to be branded as Angela forever because then you're then there's no room for growth, you know. Mm-hmm. So she and I shared that same goal to say, you know, let's be, I want to be that actor and you want to be, you know, Felissa, that actress and producer. Mm -hmm. So we did, we kind of had a similar, um, similar goals and, and, you know, she makes me laugh like crazy and we scream at each other and fight and then we'll be fine in the next, you know, couple hours. So. She's wonderful. If you've never had her on your show, I haven't, you actually. have to have her on your show. Yeah, I definitely would love to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you definitely should. I should get you in touch with her because you'll, you'll love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, I, speaking of uh, conventions, I know you're going to be at uh, Texas Frightmare coming up in May, and uh, I'll be there as well. Very excited month. about that. Mm-hmm. Have you been to the Texas Frightmare before? Never. That's why I'm very excited about it. I heard it's a fantastic one. And plus, the kids from Stranger Things are going to be there, so my kids are going crazy because they want to go. That's an awesome show. But yeah, Texas, uh, that was the last convention I was at because I didn't go to any last year. I was very sick. But uh, uh, two years ago, I was at uh, Texas Frightmare, and it was was an awesome convention. And do they have fun after hours? That's my yes. main concern. I agree with that because uh, the conventions where they're not in like the hotel, I always think really you miss all that. Suffer. Yeah, yeah, because you know then you just everyone kind of goes their own way, and then it's kind of the end of the thing. But this one's right in the hotel, so right afterwards, you know, you see everyone hanging out, and they have karaoke and. And all that oh, stuff. that's awesome! Oh, I'm yeah. down for karaoke for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I have my camera, so I'll try to catch that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Believe me, go on the Internet, and you'll see videos of me doing karaoke at different conventions. Oh, awesome. Or dancing my ass off on the dance floor. Awesome. I look I look forward to seeing that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so you have, uh, you have Felissa uh, in your movie coming up, Crust? Yeah. Yes, I do. 
Uh, Crust is my passion project. I'm very excited about it. I also have Scout Taylor Compton, uh, obviously from Halloween 1 and 2, Richard Spade from Supernatural, um, uh, Jason Trost from the FP, and and, um, a lot of cool cult movies. So it's a it's a movie about a lonely guy that is in a laundromat who used to be a kid actor on a show a la Full House and it was called Baker's Dozen and he's alone and depressed in this laundromat and he collects the socks that people leave behind. <laughs> And he keeps them in a little pile in the back of his office and uses it as, you know, snot rag, wiping off blood, wiping off sweat, you know, blowing his nose, everything. Um, And uh, then one day he cries on them and it comes to life and becomes this pile of sock, pile of socks in a, in a laundry basket uh, named crust. And it, uh, avenges him from all the people who treat him like shit, and he doesn't know it for a little while. But then, when he does know it, he they this weird friendship occurs between he and the sock monster. So it's really fun. It's it's Little Shop of Horrors meets Willard, uh, kind of. Well, so it's quirky, fun, and strange all at the same time. But awesome. you know, everybody who's read it. Uh-huh has jumped on board uh, Eric Porn, who does the special effects for American Werewolf from London is doing our special effects and um, like I said like Scout was fighting for the role she she, she loved it so much and uh, uh, we, I wanted her to be part of it um, and then she was just so passionate about it that she's been really helpful so we're we're getting ready to make our big announcement, how people can help and get involved uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, if you don't follow me or if you're not a friend of mine on Facebook, you can be a friend of mine at Sean M. Whalen on Facebook. My Sean Whalen page is already full, but Sean M. Whalen, I still uh, have space available. Mm-hmm. That sounds that I honestly sounds amazing. Yeah, not just because you're here, here, but I love the premise, and I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Of, uh, now you mentioned uh, Little Shop of Horrors. It's not a musical, though, is it? No, mm. no, it's not a musical. Mm. It's not a musical. It's just uh, in that that comedy vein yeah. of a of a fun creature. Yeah. Where did where did this whole idea come from? You know what? I have no idea. And people <laughs> keep asking me this. It came from I was sitting in a. It's two or two and a half years ago. Uh-huh. I was sitting with these people who were doing a um, low uh, talking about low budget horror movies, and I said, "God, you know, why don't you just make one that all takes place in a laundromat? And you have a lonely guy, and and you know, he he has a pile of socks, and he you know wipes his nose into the bed, and he jerks off into, <laughs> and then it comes to life and kills people. And I literally just flew out of my mouth." Uh-huh. And then I didn't think about it since then. Then I went and did this movie with uh, Aaron Mento, a very talented director, and Charles Chudabala. And Felissa got me involved with these people uh, who are doing a movie called Ugly Sweater Party, which is mm-hmm. really fun and crazy and out there. And I walked in and I started working with these guys and I sat there and I went, oh my God, these guys need to do crust with me. And I pulled them aside and said, I want to do crust. And they said, okay. And they go, do you have a script? And I said, no. 
And they go, uh, okay. And I said, but I'll do it. And I called a friend of mine to help me be a co-writer, and I knocked it out in like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was after a real tough time in my life. Personally, I'd gone through a divorce. I had to sell my house. Um, so I'd gone through a lot, and the, it just flew out of me. And that's the thing I got the most was the people just really like the dialogue, the script and the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, and a friend of mine who's a writing teacher said, well, you had a lot to say, you know, after mm-hmm. such a hard couple of years, you had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can go on my Facebook page and see images from it. It's pretty cool. Crust looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll text you one after, awesome. after we get yeah. off the phone. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be a very cool movie, mm-hmm. and uh, you know people can get involved, so that's going to be very cool too. Yeah. Now, I don't I don't mean you're a guy hanging out in uh, collecting socks, but is there any any part of you that's in that character? Yeah, for sure, because he went through like a really tough emotional time mm-hmm. after my after moving from my house and and like being in there for 18 years and thinking that I was going to live there the rest of my life with mm-hmm. my kids, you know, I went through a really difficult time emotionally. I kind of went through a depression and anxiety and I think I was writing from that place, you know, yeah. uh, feeling like the world has left you behind and you don't know where you fit. And with a lot of hard work and I went to therapy like, you know, three times a week for a few months and really busted my butt to come out of there. And, to get out of there so I could be a dad, so I could have relationships. I have a great girlfriend now that lives with me, and, and my kids love her, and life is good. I'm, I'm teaching uh, comedy and improv at James Franco School in North Hollywood, but at that time, it was a really tough time, and I think what I'm the film focuses on is sometimes when you come out the other end of uh, a bad place, you're kind of angry. You're angry that you... A, went through it, the, the time it took to go through it, and you're pissed. You know, now that you're standing up for yourself, you're pissed at everyone around you who you feel bullied you or left you behind, or, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of writing from that place when I talked about the Willard aspect of it, you know. Mm-hmm. When he's feeling, starting slowly to feel better, he gets a little angry at all the people that, you know, pissed him off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of emotional stuff that... That's the through line of the thing. Because I think when we all go through a really hard time and the world feels abandoned, like it's abandoning us, mm-hmm. that you, uh, um, you, you wish you had, a, you know, a bunch of rats like Willard did to kill people, or <laughs> uh-huh. you wish you had a sock monster to avenge you. Because uh-huh. only, you know, it's like the uh, um, unconditional love of a pet. But it was like as if you had a pet dragon, you know, uh, like Khaleesi and, you know, exactly, it yeah. will do your bidding. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's kind of where it came from emotionally. So there's definitely more depth to it than just a goofy sock movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, Is this the first movie that you wrote? No, I've written a couple other movies. I wrote... Uh, with Sam Lloyd, who is Christopher Lloyd's nephew, we wrote a movie called President Dog about a talking dog who becomes president. And uh, it went all the way up to Jim Henson Company. And they God, they did a they had first refusal for a little while. And it was between our movie and one other movie about Muppets in Space. And they went with Muppets in Space. Um, and... Uh, 
we um I wrote that movie and there's I've written T V pilots and a bunch of bunch of different things. So this isn't the first movie I've ever written. And now I'm working on a on a play, like I said, with my friend Doug, which is uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna tell the idea. All but right, I'll be enough. putting it on my Facebook soon, the short. It's very awesome. funny. Awesome. So. Now, do you think um, comedy horror is hard to pull off? Uh, like, to do I it don't, well? you know, I, it depends on how committed you are to it, mm-hmm. you know? I, I think um, if you're going, because I did a movie called uh, my, uh, Otis, I forget what it's called, Paranormal Halloween, um, and they were doing like a farce, like a, like a full on parody of horror movies. Mm-hmm. But this movie is, um, it's kind of like little shop of horrors, but not, not that campy, I guess mm-hmm. it's only the idea, but the dialogue is there's some fun and funny stuff. I have an entertainment tonight, uh, go to people that type of show. Mm-hmm. where these people are telling what's going on in Hollywood and things like that that keeps it fun and, you know, a fun manager. Some Hollywood people come to the laundromat and and there's some fun stuff between Crust and myself. So, you know, I would say it's not a full-on Barsk-type comedy or, or um, parody, mm-hmm. but it's got some comedic elements in it. Yeah. And it's, you know, more, I guess... Like a, if it was a funnier version of Willard, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's, and it's got elements of Charlotte's Web and The Godfather. Wrong, <laughs> <laughs> that even sounds. So it, 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 let's put it this way: it's it's truly. I feel it's very original. Yeah. So. Well, that, that that's important. That's important. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think people are hungry for something fun and fresh. So. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a throwback to anything really. You know. Yeah. It's its own thing, mm-hmm. yeah. which I which I always strive to be. You know, if I'm going to write something, I want it to make it fun for the audience, but also something different that they haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. actually, the first play I ever saw was uh, live was um, was Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah. Was, uh, how did they do the uh, How did they do the plant? Uh, how did it, they do Audrey too? It was it was on this, and Dom Dom Deloise played the uh, the shop owner, and. Um, Oh, that's great! It was out in California, the, some famous uh, place out there is where my outlet. But anyway, uh, yeah, they had like a the big plant on the set, and I guess someone was operating or people were operating it, but it worked. And then uh, it was a big production because at the end, uh, and the play's a little different than the movie. Like the plants win in the play. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they then, had to like redo the movie because I guess it tested so badly. But yeah. yeah, I never knew that either. That the the, the plant take over the earth yeah so like some place that green is some place that's green as uh it's different in the in the play because the whole world turns green and so then like yeah. they have big vines like falling on the audience and it's pretty whispers pretty that's wild. cool yeah how fun is that yeah, that's awesome. excellent mm-hmm. that's so, very cool yeah it was great so uh yeah it's about ugly uh sweater party you mentioned it yeah it's very fun um uh, like I said, uh, Aaron Mento and Charles Sudabala were uh, right, and Aaron directed it as well. It's about an ugly sweater party up in the, like at a camp, and what happens is they um, 
uh, one of their kids wears a sweater that I'm actually like the Freddy Krueger person who haunts the sweater. And this one kid wears it, and then he becomes haunted by the sweater and starts to do insane, crazy things at the ugly sweater party. (laughs) So that's that's a full-on comedy. That's Mm -hmm. like a pretty broad, crazy comedy. Mm -hmm. So uh that's 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 really fun yeah why do you think why do you think this is in that too oh nice very cool well last year was uh the 25th anniversary of uh people under the stairs Um, yes what do you think it is about uh the the movie that like uh finds a new audience all the time and and you know um you know i never really thought about it until i started traveling with um Brandon Adams, who played Fool, and um, he enlightened me, too, because, you know, I was saying certain people, a lot of African-American community knows me from that movie. And he said, you know, it was a cool movie with a happy ending where the little black kid saves the day. And I thought, you know, I never thought about it that way. Um so, you know, I think, like I just said, and he said, there usually isn't a happy ending, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, to most movies, to most horror movies. Yeah. And that had, you know, the bad guys got defeated, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a spunky little kid who did it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it. I think... Speaking of horror comedy, you know, I mean, that's, to me, I finally made peace with it and said, you know, I think it's a twisted movie. It's very twisted because it's silly and weird, but dark at the same time, you know? Um, So I I think that's part of it. And then the surprising part is I'm not in it very much, but it was my first film. And I think, you know, also people just have an affinity for, for Wes, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously he knows how to have have fun because of Scream and other things like that. But um, and Freddie has a comedic element to him. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's all of those factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's a cult movie, you know, mm-hmm. and people go, oh, I'm into that movie, mm-hmm. you know. It's easy to know Halloween and things like that, but if you knew people on the stairs, it's kind of a cool, kitschy cult movie, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. It really found life. I mean, it was number one in the box office for the, for six weeks, oh, wow. um, but it really found its niche on, uh, you know, video and DVD and stuff. Mm-hmm. People watch it over and over again, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Very strange. Yeah. But... But it's also, you know, Roach is such a fun character, and he's positive, and he's a, like a hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone asked me that. They said, what what character do you think you'd want to be? And I said, I guess Roach, because he is kind of a, he really is a hero, mm-hmm. you know? He he saves the day, and, he's the, and a martyr, you know? Mm-hmm. He dies for the cause. Mm-hmm. When you auditioned so, for, the, for, for Roach, uh, I, I assume it was mm-hmm. with Wes Craven, and, uh, yeah. like, uh, did he ever tell you what you did that, that stood out and, and wanted, he wanted you to be the, um, he just said that I found the emotional truth of it, you know, 
And I was in a good class at the time. And I also went to my acting coach, you know, and he wanted and said the same thing and said, look, you can run around and scream um, and laugh and giggle and just be like a weirdo and a spaz. He goes, but if you don't find the emotional truth of it, and I think he's, you know, I said, oh, you know, he's a hero and all this other stuff. Well, he doesn't know he's a hero. He just wants to be a fun kid. He's a kid. He's a teenager. He just wants to mess with the people who captured everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't leave. He could have left. He could have figured a way out. Obviously, he could figure out this whole life between the walls. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he wanted to stay and help. You know, mm-hmm. so that that's what makes him so cool to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know. See, but but he did it in a, I guess the whole point is he did it in a very fun, innocent way. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I'm going to be a hero. You know, he's just like, ooh, this is fun. Uh-huh. I'm going to mess with these people, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Uh, was there anything... Make their life miserable because they're making our life miserable, mm-hmm. you know? Was there anything you did to get into the role of Roach? Or anything like you studied or anything? Um, yes, I would always wear the tongue prosthetic thing that slipped over my tongue uh-huh. because there was one take where I spoke and Wes was like, you can't speak. And there was that one he was the daddy was shooting at me and I went, Oh shit. And Wes goes, come and look at this. You're, you can't talk. And I said, you know what? I'm going to keep the prosthetic thing in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can talk. Mm-hmm. So I, I can talk and I can be spastic and energized and talk. It's just, you're not going to understand it. You know, mm-hmm. because that thing's in my mouth. Yeah. So that's kind of what, you know, uh, I would get my hair done, my makeup done, my fingers, long fingers put on. And then when I put that thing in, then it was like, okay, it's roach time. Yeah. You know, did, did you keep that? Did you keep the, uh, the, 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 uh, the tongue is, I have my fingers. Uh-huh. I have my fingers, but I don't know where my tongue is. Oh, so bummed. Cause I know I had it for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's this chest of all this movie stuff that I have, and in that I found my fingers, but I couldn't find. <laughs> uh, I could not find uh, the tongue, which is very sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cut that that line out and just play it on the show randomly. I don't know where my tongue is at. But well, uh, yeah, I don't know where my tongue is at. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, That's so, great. Yeah. You have a background, obviously, in comedy. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. that's that's helped in uh, in like non comedic roles? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's weird. I used to be able to watch myself in comedies, but never in drama, because um, I felt I knew comedy. I guess I felt I could do it. Mm-hmm. Like I was good at it. I had studied hard at the Groundling Theater for a long time. Um, I had good instincts. I'd been doing comedy, making my brothers and sisters laugh since I was a kid. So I felt good about it. And then for some weird reason, you know, I, you know, people under the stairs was my first movie and I, and I started at Playhouse West and now I'm studying at James, I'm at James Franco's teaching the comedy department at James Franco's school of film and acting, but they come from a Meisner background, um, which is a technique of uh, really being on the other person. Jeff Goldblum studied there. 
Um, a lot of people studied there. And uh, I think that the, you know, when you're doing drama, it's a little more vulnerable. Um, but I think I'm glad I started with comedy um, because I think it, it, it was just my way in, you know, every actor has their way in and, you know, Jim Carrey, that was his way in and, you know, uh, Stanley Tucci, that was his way in, you know, people had their way in mm-hmm. and, but it's nice because I've come back to it. You know, I've come back to it. I'm actually performing at the Groundlings next Thursday night. Oh, awesome. uh, doing an improv show, which I haven't done in a while. So that'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess so. They say the best dramatic people are comedians mm-hmm. because they, uh, I, I don't necessarily know why, but, um, I guess it's, I guess it's because you have to put yourself out there and not be afraid of what you look like and be a complete, goofball when you're doing comedy that doing that in drama you don't care what you look like either you know mm-hmm. so. yeah. well, on those, i don't want to be offensive or anything but um uh were you picked on as a kid at all because uh you definitely have no i mean you know what i had a i had a i was the youngest of four of a very you know, my sister was a very popular like head cheerleader type my other sister was um, in the pom-pom squad and the championship pom-pom squad and was very well liked. And then my brother was a super popular student government president only a year older than me. So I luckily had the Whalen name going into my schools. Um, and I was tiny though, but I was tiny, but I always had confidence. I guess the, the my sociology teacher in high school they took drawings from kids in kindergarten and said, you know, they said people with confidence drew themselves big and people who didn't drew themselves small. Well, it was from my class in kindergarten and my head was huge. <laughs> my body was huge. So I think I got the confidence because I could always, you know, get things my way because I would entertain my mom and entertain my brothers and sisters and so they kind of you know they they appreciated that Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where uh i kind of honed that craft and so i was like that with my friends i was outgoing i was confident you know Mm -hmm. i just think that's it in life in general just confidence is everything Mm -hmm. um and that's what uh, you know that's what i write about in crust is how do you deal with it when you lose it you know, mm-hmm. for a little while. That's that's kind of what crust is about on a deeper level. You know, mm-hmm. um, but no, I, I never was because I was. You know, I made that. I made the guys laugh. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and I and I, you know, liked who I was. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be if I was an only child and didn't have you know my brothers and sisters paving the way and you know mm-hmm. it was easy to look ahead and look at them and go oh this is how you deal with and I still do it yeah. this is how you deal with getting older this is how you deal with when your kids leave for college this is how you deal you know yeah I still get to have the trailblazers in front of me mm-hmm. oh. so I think that helped a lot too mm-hmm. uh, tell tell us about the groundlings. Um... 
Uh, maybe something. Uh, the Growlings was fantastic. I, I I went to UCLA. I got my theater department, did very well, but I just didn't like the program itself. I got out after six months, and then just went to UCLA. Uh, got a degree in sociology and business, but I had so much fun. I met the the best friends of my entire life, um, and had such a great time. And then. I knew I kind of wanted to get into acting, but I didn't know how. And there was a woman who worked at my job. I, w- I used to run blood from the blood bank to the hospital at the UCLA clinic, uh, Boyer Clinic, which was uh, the kidney um, clinic. And I used to be the runner because it was in this faraway tower. Um, and I had to go down this huge elevator and across this huge tunnel to get into the hospital. And that was my job at my senior year in college. And the person I worked for, she used to go to the Groundlings and loved it. And I went to one of their shows and I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I came back up, you know, when I graduated, I went home for the summer and then I came back with hardly like $200 in my pocket, got a waiter job, busted my butt to... I got accepted into the school immediately, but I couldn't pay for it. So I busted my butt to become a full-time waiter, and I did by the time January had rolled around, and I started in the school and moved through. I never repeated a class and made it all the way through to the Sunday company. So it was cool. It was very cool. Um, and uh, it was just a fun time. I, I, I... you had the same rules, you know, I'd write sketches that seemed trite or we've seen this kind of thing before. And I would throw it out. Cause like, I just want to do stuff that's different and weird. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to just have a voice that's kind of fresh if I can, mm-hmm. you know? So that's kind of what I worked on. That's what I worked towards in all my writing there. And, uh, then I just realized I didn't know how to, to try out for drama, you know? So then I went to this other school, Playhouse West, and so I had the, one of the best comedy trainings and then one of the best um, dramatic trainings. And then, like I said, I got people on the stairs, and then for some odd reason, I've been working in uh, mostly drama uh-huh. for my whole career, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. You know, I thought for sure, because of the growling ball and stuff, I'd be in comedy, but I mostly do drama. Which is kind of funny, but it's really nice to be doing comedy again and teaching it again. So yeah, when you teach, uh, you mentioned uh, teaching comedy. Really yeah, you mentioned teaching comedy a few times, which is is really cool. What what do you think are some of like uh, the misconceptions about uh, what it takes to be like uh, a good comedian? I guess. Well, it's first of all, it's comedic acting, so it's not stand-up. Right, right, right. Um, But I think the main thing, and we just kind of were digging into this last night, it's so simple. It's so simple. If you're not having fun, then no one else will. Period. Mm -hmm. If you ask a friend, hey, when you were little, do you want to play with me? Yeah. And they're in their head and overthinking every move instead of running around with your towels on and being superheroes, then they were no fun. So why do we do that as adults? Why do we do that as actors? It's called, you know, I just read um, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography that he wrote. And he says, you know, it's called playing for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. and he has more fun on stage than anybody. Like, he's having the most fun in everyone who's there. So, 
I really learned, and I'm trying to impart to my class, that if you're having a good time doing this, then people will be on your side no matter what you do. Even if you screw up, it doesn't matter. They're on your side because you're having fun. And I think that's honestly why Jimmy Jimmy Fallon did so well because he was always having fun. Mm -hmm. Always. He would screw up. He would laugh. He would break character, you know. Mm -hmm. But he loves having fun, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's kind of what the best thing about comedy is, is it's really, really fun. I mean, it's scary. You can't go in there and do, you know, simple rules. You can't just deny people when you do an improv. You have to do yes and, you know, not negate each other and all this other kind of, there's fundamentals. But if you're not having fun and going for it, then, you know, it's it's painful for everybody there. (laughs) So that's what I really try to teach my students, have a good time. You're not you're not gonna get mowed down. Your head's not gonna get chopped off. You know, right. this isn't life or death. Uh-huh. This is you didn't do as the worst case scenario is I didn't do as well as I would have hoped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you still go home to a nice house and sleep and wake up and have plenty of food. <laughs> uh-huh. So let's please put this in a perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that's that's the one fundamental misconception that people just don't teach enough of, mm-hmm. is have a good time. I don't know any comedy that's successful that you look and go, oh, these actors were miserable the entire time. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. So, uh, what, what, what stuff like got you into it, like made you want to become an actor? Uh, like I said, I was the youngest of four. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved performing, making them entertaining my family, honestly, just entertaining my family first Mm -hmm. and making them laugh, making them have a good time. And like I said, I had ulterior motives. I wanted to get out of work sometimes and not do the dishes. If if my brothers and sisters were doing the dishes, but they were laughing, Uh I was entertaining them. Then uh, I didn't have to do the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, uh, the long grind of a nine to five job was never my thing, mm-hmm. but I've had to do it. You know, when yeah. times were tough, when I went and I was a salesman for for like eight years, selling, being, doing those roadshow demonstrations in the Costco's. Um, you know, people come up and go, Ooh, "What happened?" You know, mm-hmm. and you have to be boy, I, talking about a humbling experience. Oh, so this be, was after you had. You were in movies? This was after the 90s, and yeah, I had success, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a young family and a mortgage, and, you know, mm-hmm. and it was after you know, 9-11, and the, the industry had changed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it was uh, it was kind of a tough thing, but I was, you know, I, I loved it. And then in fifth grade, I did a... Ver- uh, Rumpelstiltskin, um, the, uh, for my fifth grade class, I directed it and starred in it. And I remember coming out from my curtain call and the crowd went crazy. And I thought, Oh, I like this. <laughs> this is fun. I get to goof around, but instead of my brothers and sisters saying, you know, it's funny you're laughing. I get a whole, the whole school is cheering. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and, you know, that was the the bug, you know, 
stayed with me. Mm-hmm. But then you learn the hard way that acting isn't just about getting attention. Mm-hmm. It's really about the craft and really about deeper things. So if you don't lose that, if you don't learn that, you don't last very long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I remember hearing Tom Hanks saying, you either work from the outside in or the inside out. And he goes, for the longest time, I worked from the outside in, being presentational and funny. And then when I realized, you know, inside out is more powerful when he did Philadelphia, he goes, that's when everything changed for me. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we got some questions. You know. Yeah. Uh, he's in but we have uh, some questions here from uh, Facebook, and I wanted to ask some of them. Uh, cool. AJ Punk wants to know, how was it to work with Dane Cook, Andy Dick, and the rest of the cast in Employee of the Month? Any, uh, that was like story. a summer camp for me because I had worked with Andy before. I had worked with uh, Tim Bagley, who played my manager before. I had worked with Harlan Williams before. I had worked with Danny Woodburn before, who played the older brother that harassed Tim Bagley. I'd worked with most of those guys before. And they're all fun, funny guys. So it was great. Dane was very nice, but he was right in the middle of like his big time. Like he, he had an HBO show going. Mm-hmm. He, he was getting in, you know, doing one movie after the next. He was very nice. Um, very cool. There's I have pictures of he and I hanging out on recliners in the middle of the Costco. And we had some fun times in the dressing room and stuff, but he was really busy. He was just insanely busy. It's like right when he was kind of blowing up when this movie was being filmed. So uh, it was nice. It's just, I would say, the, the regret was I wasn't able to spend as much time with him as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. See, uh, Heather Markham says, uh, I've loved all your roles, uh, but he did a YouTube video as Tiny Tim. Did anything ever come from the Hebrew Hammer versus Hitler? No, you know what? None. I'm still friends with uh, Jonathan Kesselman, who wrote and directed um, Hebrew Hammer. But as of now, you know, I know there was a big campaign for a while, but I, you know, as of I'm, I'm in mind for it. It's just uh, as of now, I don't know where it is and in development hell, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but I love. I loved being Tiny Tim. <laughs> that was really fun. That was Jonathan Kessel and I became good friends, and that was where I first worked with Andy. Oh, nice. Was on that movie Hebrew Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Chris Blair, this is uh, actually funny. The asks this. Uh, Chris Blair says, "Where did you learn all the killer dance moves?" He's always the first one dancing at conventions. <laughs> uh, from my sisters and my mom. Uh-huh. Because they told me at a young age, they taught my brother and I, they said, look, women like guys who can dance. And you have to know how to dance. And luckily, I was blessed with some rhythm and skinny, wiry legs. So, uh, yes, I, I love to dance. I think it's liberating and fun. And if there's a dance floor and fun music, I love it. And I think fans are freaked out when I went to my first convention and they're like, what are you doing here? And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> it's the party and I'm dancing. And they, 
kind of were like, well, usually the guys kind of like hang at the bar and everybody comes over and buys them drinks. And all of a sudden I go, well, that, that doesn't sound really fun to me. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather dance on the dance floor. So, uh, uh you know, so yes, uh, I learned to dance from my mother and sisters in the kitchen of my house growing up. Very cool. No, I'm not trying to say his name. Uh, Didrick, I think his name, Didrick Davis. Uh, what was the most fucked up memory of any film? On any film. Ooh, wow, that's really tough. Fucked up memory. Um, okay, so maybe on Twister, we were at a pig farm. And it was really hot and smelly and really, like, it was pretty, uh, you, like, you could, and humid, so, like, you couldn't even get out of your, leave your trailer. You would just be inundated with the smell. And the, and the food was inside this barn, and it was still hot and smelly and gross. And I remember going over to a blueberry muffin and going, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to have And I reached for it, and all the blueberries flew away because they weren't blueberries. They were all flies that had been flying around the pig shed. <laughs> so I was like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> so that's the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> yeah, that would be very memorable, I believe. Uh, I do have to ask, are you yourself a horror movie fan? Uh, you know, I'm getting more, you know, my girlfriend's a horror movie fan, and I really wasn't. Um because the gory ones don't interest me that much because I know all the FX guys. And so I know what they're doing. Um, and like just gory gross doesn't do anything for me. Um, and then the scary ones like the spiritual ones or, you know, the scariest movie to me is the exorcist. Um, things where you can't control anything, things that, you know, ghosts or demons or otherworldly things, those like genuinely scare me. So, uh, but recently, look, I finally saw The Conjuring, and I was scared, but what was cool is I was scared, and then I wasn't scared later on. You know, right. I used to not be able to control my, you know, thoughts enough to, like, go to bed and be horrified the rest of the night if I saw something scary. Uh, but this, now, I'm getting more into it, and I'm actually finally watching American Horror Story on in the first season and oh, getting nice. kind of into it. So I'm slowly becoming more of a horror fan yeah. than I was before. Mm-hmm. But originally, no, I kind of wasn't. I, I did them, and it's they're fun as hell to do, because to me it's like you're getting paid to do Halloween, mm-hmm. you know? So I love that. But, uh, yeah, I'm slowly becoming one. And the answer is, you know, slowly but surely, yes. <laughs> and uh, Just uh, what are some of your favorite TV shows or movies? Uh, they don't have to be horror, but, uh, you know, that you enjoy. Uh, I love Game of Thrones. I love Silicon Valley, uh, um, Modern Family, uh, not a lot of network shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm getting into American Horror Story. I loved Westworld. I love a lot of the HBO shows I like. I love John Oliver. I like Bill Maher. I like, um, Vice, um, I would say that, yeah, HBO shows are, like, my go-to place. And, uh, um, but then, you know, Netflix is slowly coming up with some cool stuff. Yeah, I love Stranger yeah. Things and, um, 
like I said, watch an American Horror Story on that, even though it's not originally them. But I loved the show Mad Men, loved Mad Men. And, you know, this is the hardest time to be a TV fan because there's just I, too many good shows. I agree. Yeah, there's, there's more. You're going to be, you're, you're, there's, there, there's one you're just not going to see. And someone's uh, going to turn to you and go, you're crazy. You should see that show. And go, I, I know. I know. But I literally don't have that much time in the day. Uh, if if I want to live and be a human, I can't watch all these shows. Right, yeah, yeah. It is cool, though, that you can actually, you know, with, like, streaming and DVDs or TV oh, yeah. stuff, you can actually watch, like, shows that I probably would have totally missed, you know, otherwise, you know, if it would have been, like... Because I actually you mentioned Mad Men. That's how I watched Mad Men. I watched it all on Netflix. Because I didn't watch it. Oh, that's cool. Them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, this is How'd cool. you like it? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's watch- exceptional. You know, it's exceptional. Yeah. Yeah, and I just watch... Eras, movies are not the thing anymore. Mm-hmm. They, the great art is not happening in movies. They're happening in... It's happening in, uh, on TV. Yeah. I think really I, since uh, HBO, kind of the Sopranos and The Wire, those kind of shows, yeah. uh, since then, it's been like a golden age of, of TV. Yeah, you're right. They kind of ushered it in. And all the big people said, "Oh, I can. I want to do that." Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So I think you mentioned, but what's the best way to find Sean Whalen online? Best way to find me is at my Facebook page, Sean M. Whalen, and um, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, that guy SMW. Um. And you can find me on Instagram at that guy SMW. Um, yeah, at that guy SMW. Um, but the easiest place is just my my like, become a friend of mine on Sean M Whalen. And if you mention this show, I have people under the stairs, T-shirts and DVDs and and mini posters and stuff like that. If you mention uh, this show. Then I will take ten dollars off for awesome. anyone who mentions the show. That's awesome. So they're usually like twenty five dollars or thirty dollars, depending on what you're getting, and, and I'll take ten dollars off. Oh, that's very. If cool. you mention Neil's show, excellent. Yeah, it's without your head, and uh, yeah, you get some. And you know what's also cool? Because if you're a friend with Sean Whale, and he's very interactive, and he always has these, uh, you always have these caption contests, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Even if you don't participate, they're fun to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's fun. I always have a. I always have a guest judge, and today's is my brother-in-law. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun. It's boy, it's getting crazy. Because I used to go, oh my god, there's seventy or eighty people. Last <laughs> yeah. one I did was three hundred and fifty people. <laughs> oh wow! That I had to sort through the captions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's getting a following. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty crazy. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been uh, it's been awesome. Hey Neil, thank you. Thanks for your time, and uh, I'm glad we got to uh, finally get this done. I'm sorry it took so long. And I hope I wasn't too rambly. No, I thought it was was great. I hope everyone's awesome. There's a monkey in my kitchen, and he's throwing shit at me. Got a rash that won't stop bitching, and it's burning when I feed. The rent is due, I'm sniffing glue, but I just can't stop missing you. In spite of all the rotten things that you have done to me. There's bass up in my belfry, and there's eels in my pants. The front lawn is on fire, and the butter's full of ants. They're banging on my door, and there's devils in the floor. 
This is Nasty Neil, and this is Without Your Head. Uh, huge thanks to Sean Whalen, a uh, great guest on the show. Uh, it was cool to cover a lot of his career. <clears throat> uh, maybe some horror fans wish we went more into uh, the, uh, People Under the Stairs, but uh, I thought it would be cool to uh, talk about some of his other projects that are, that are out now or coming out in some of his uh, past with the Groundlings. And so I thought it was great. So hope uh, everyone enjoyed it. I know uh, Heather Markham is a huge fan of, uh, of the interview. And uh, she's a big fan of, uh, of Sean Willen. And uh, time to right now. And hopefully she can make it out to Texas Frightmare. Because um, I haven't been to a convention in a couple years. And Without Your Head is going to return to Texas Frightmare weekend coming up in May. It's a, it's a loaded a loaded lineup. Let me uh, go and get uh, the lineup here. 
It's uh, May 5th through the 7th in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Texas Fright Mare Weekend. Uh, if you don't know, if you've never been to a horror convention, if you if you have been, you know you know the deal. But if you've never been to one, uh, you know it's autographs and photo ops. But it's more than that too. There's uh, the vendors are selling all kinds of cool horror stuff. A lot of the stuff you can't you know buy in a store, send away for an Amazon or whatnot. It's uh, some of it's homemade stuff. Um, uh, shirts, you know, uh, independent companies uh, make uh, all kinds of stuff. You really don't know what what you're gonna ever find at the vendors, uh, you know, maybe some uh, rare movies, all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, there's that. Uh, then there's they're, they're showing uh, films, and then there's like the the parties, and uh, there's there's always something to do. Uh, panels, Q and A panels. So uh, let's see here, though. Uh, I'll go to guests here, but it's, it's uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend. Dot com. Uh, we're going to be having some guests on the show, uh, like Sean Whalen, as we count down to the Texas Frightmare. Uh, the cast of Stranger Things, that's pretty awesome. Um, let's see here. Danny Lloyd, who is Danny from The Shining. That's awesome. Uh, we got some people from The Walking Dead. Uh, the Thing Reunion, uh, Dean Cundy, Wilford Brimley. I don't think Wilford Brimley's, uh, to my knowledge, has done a um, horror convention. Maybe he has. I'm not aware of it. But never one that I've been to. And I've been to several Thing uh, reunions. So it's a Thing 35th anniversary celebration at uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend. Uh, this announced recently Frank Henenlotter, which is going to be awesome. It will be at Texas Frightmare. Uh, he will also be on Without Your Head. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, a man called Sting, if you're a wrestling fan, will be there. Um, Fright Night Reunion, uh, the director Tom Holland, Chris Sarandon, Williams Ragsdale, Amanda Burst, Stephen Joffreys, and Jonathan Stark. That's, uh, awesome. Uh, 30, the cast of 31, the Rob Zombie film, um, including, you know, uh, Meg Foster, Malcolm McDowell, people from, uh, from Bates Motel, we got Michael Berryman from uh, The Hills Have Eyes. This is a Friday 13th Part 5, a new beginning uh, reunion. That's uh, interesting because uh, that's kind of like uh, the Dark Horse series. You know, it's a, kind of a Scooby-Doo uh, at Friday the 13th where uh, the mask is pulled off and, you know, it's not Freddy. It's uh, just some guy. But uh, so that's cool because that's not one that really gets much love. Uh, let's see here. I, really, you should just go to TexasFrightmareWeekend.com, and there's like a thousand guests, and I can't really sit here and name them all. Also, uh, Richard Brake from Doom... Well, he played Doomhead in uh, 31, which I'd mentioned earlier. Uh, to me, that was a standout of 31. Wow. Just tons and tons of people. So uh, go to TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. And you can see all the amazing guests. D. Wallace, who's been in everything. The Hills of Eyes, Howling, E.T., Cujo. And and she'll be on Without Your Head. Yes, coming up, uh, I believe, the end of March. Uh, it will be... Um, we'll have her live on the show. So, let's see. It was interesting. I read that uh, they're making Friday the 13th Part 13. Even though, you know, they're doing the remake. So they've already rebooted Friday the 13th. 
Uh, now they're rebooting it again, plus they're making part 13, which follows along the, the storyline somehow. So let's break this down. If uh, Let's say you're a new, even if you know it all, but let's say you're a new, uh, a new person, a new fan. You're just like, hey, this Friday the 13th, I heard about it, Jason Voorhees, let me check that out. You know, back in the day, if you're when I was a kid, like I could just go, "Hey, I'll go watch Friday Thirteenth Part One, Two, Three, Four, Five. There you go, bam! Now I've seen it. But now, so you go back, you're like, "Well, okay, I start watching Friday Thirteenth. Uh, what's this? It's it's this old woman is a killer. That's odd. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, whatever. Hey, that's cool. Well, there's Tracy jumps out of the water. Part two. Okay, now he's grown up. So I I'll just assume that part the end of Part One was was a dream. And Jason really didn't die. And I know this is a big debate people have with me. Uh, not everyone, but some people say Jason is a ghost. Why he's a ghost. Why he's go. Why the ghost of a child is a grown man. I don't understand. I don't really get that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's true. In my mind, this is what happens. Okay. You got Friday the 13th. It's the mom. She's crazy because she thinks her her uh, her handy mental I'll just say retarded son was drowned in the in, in lake camp in the crystal lake not drowned he drowned and the reason he drowned because you know he's retarded and uh, the counselors were getting it on so uh, so they weren't there to save the kid all right so she goes crazy kills all all these people uh. In that movie, you think Jason died. Okay, he jumps out of the lake, but really, I think that's a dream sequence. Cut to part two. It's like the next day, and here's Jason's a grown man. So really, if you think about it, it does make sense. It's Jason has grown up. He lived in the woods. Maybe he just was, you know, living in the woods, just eating, eating like... Uh, Eating bugs, eating eating squirrels or whatever. His mic, he sees his mom get killed. Now he's like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna start killing killing these kids." So he goes, he kills the woman who killed his mom. He has a shrine to his mom with her severed head. A ghost would not have a shrine. A ghost wouldn't all of a sudden be a man when he was a kid when he died. So to me, he's a grown up man. He's a he's a human living guy. From part two to part four, where he's killed, he gets hurt. I mean, but but he dies in part four. All right, so part four, he dies. Part five, it's 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 like I said, the Scooby Doo version. It's just some guy pretending to be Jason. All right, whatever. Part six, now he becomes like Frankenstein. Or not even Frankenstein, because Frankenstein's like created. He's now he's zombie Jason because he's brought back to life by lightning. Um, it's uh, Jor what's his name Jarvis something Jarvis Tommy Jarvis I think Tommy Jarvis and uh, and Horshack go and bring him back to life. They almost the Kata and they so they bring back Jason so now Jason's a zombie. So Jason from six to like. Six and seven, he's a zombie, and he's fighting someone with with uh, mind powers, and they put him in the bottom of the ocean because he can't die because he's a zombie now. Uh, it was a very bad plan, but by, by by Tom. But anyway, so he now now he's a zombie. Eight, he goes to Manhattan. He's still a zombie, but in part eight, he turns back into a child. 
through chemical waste. Why this happens, I don't know. And really, in, in a way, does that make does that make chemical waste bad? It's like people spend a fortune trying to reverse the age process. If 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 you if they knew all you could do is just jump in the sewer and lay in some you know toxic waste, like yeah, it's kind of gross. It's like you know there's there's shit and there's rats around. But hey, you get to turn back into a kid and you get to relive your life. It's like well, fuck. I'm like you know seven year old man, eight year old man. I can go lay in a sewer for a little bit if it means, you know, I'm going to be 20 again or 12 or how. So anyway, he, then he turns into a kid. How that leads to part nine, I don't know, because he's a kid, but that's just totally ignored. So the optimist point, I mean, you got to take uh, leaps of faith, but you can actually string it together as as one storyline. All right, part nine, uh, Jason uh, goes to hell. I'm not really sure how the, how this one works, because now Jason isn't really even a, a, a person. He's not, not, not even a zombie or a person. Now he's like an entity. He's like this evil entity that like can transfer to, to bodies. So you see him briefly get blown up. Why he's a man again... I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just jumped, you know, thirty years and he got old and and turned and rotted again. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe, maybe the the bath and the nuclear waste really only last, you know, half hour. Then you revert back to your former self. I'm not really sure. It's not explained. It's probably for the best not to be explained. But anyway, he gets blown up. Uh, someone eats his heart for for inexplicable reasons. That guy becomes Jason. And then the movie just goes into madness. All right. So then, then he, then you go to Jason X and he gets blasted into space, which is usually a sign that, that your franchise has uh, the quote unquote jumped the shark. When you, t it, now, if it already took place in space, that's fine. I mean, obviously alien, like, well, what are you talking about? Nasty deal. Aliens in space. Well, yeah, because the, cause he's a fucking alien. So it's in space already. But this one is like, it's about a, a, a mongoloid in the woods. He's like a retarded killer who becomes a zombie. Then he gets blasted to space. So it's, re it's very bizarre. All right. So anyway, I'm watching this. I'll, I'll buy into it. I'll buy into it. Okay. They can't kill this guy. We've already found this out. You can put him in the bottom of a lake. You can hit him with a machete. You can blow him up. He ain't dying. So what do we do? We'll put him in a block of ice. We'll freeze the... Well, not really a block of ice, but it's like the modern-day block of ice. We'll just freeze the guy. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay, he's frozen. We've got Jason frozen. It goes into the future. He's on a spaceship for... I'm not really sure why... And then he gets he gets like thought out. They put him in the microwave, and th then of course he just starts killing everybody. Um, there's also like a hologram deck, like out of Star Trek: Next Generation, where they recreate um, Camp Crystal Lake again. I, I'm not sure. It might be explained. To to be honest, I it's been a while since I've seen Jason X. Uh, so anyway, so so okay, so you're watching this for the first time. You think, what the hell is going on? I mean. First was his mom, and he's a kid. Then he's then he's a grown man, and then he's a zombie. And he was another dude at one point. Then a guy ate his heart, 
And he was in, you know, nuclear waste in the sewer, and now he's in space. Alright. Then there's also Jason versus Freddy some point in there. I'm not sure of the timeline if that came on after or before Jason X. I don't know. So, anyway, he's, he's up there, and is this Friday the 13th Part 13? Is this really just the the, uh, the remake? Because maybe I'm, it, there wasn't a Jason 12, was there? Where was the remake Jason 12? I'm totally confused. But if it, if if the remake is Part 12, oh, I guess Part, part 12 is Jason versus Freddy. So that, that would make 12. So then, so then, so you're watching all this. So Jason fights Freddy. That's kind of a standalone film. That's fine. Whatever. Okay. Um, well, they do set it up and, and Jason goes to hell and I think about it because the, the hand comes up, the Freddy Krueger hand. So stick with me. I'm getting a little confused here. Thinking about the timeline of Jason. So then, bam, reboot. So the re, you hit the reset button. It goes back. We're going to tell the story. Uh, we remake the movie and it's really part one through three. Uh, part one's like the opening, like credits. It's like it's like it's like two minutes. Um, then it's like kind of part two. He's wearing a sack, and then bam, he finds uh, the mask. So that we're now we're into part three, and we're we're often kicking like people know, you know, Jason with the hockey mask. Uh, the movie is what it is. I don't think it's. I don't. Some people hate it. I didn't hate. It. I thought it was all right. Uh, I didn't love it. It's fine. I mean. It's a little different take. Jason, you know, instead of just being like this mongoloid dude in the woods, he kind of still is, but now he's a survivor. It's kind of hills have eyes-ish. Um, you know, he's he's hunting. He's making bows. So he's got some semblance of intelligence, and he, he's doing stuff and killing everybody. And now he's like seven feet tall. And he's got some hair. So that's Jason. So that's this one. He's very brutal. He's just killing everybody. So that one made a lot of money. And I'm not as sure why they just didn't make a sequel to that. Because I thought the whole point of rebooting something would be like, all right, now we rebooted it. We got the new audience. Now we're off and running. Let's make this into the new franchise. But instead, they're like, nope. Nah, I think well, I think that's enough of that. Then we're going to reboot it again. So, then, so think of this. You're watching this. You watch all this stuff. Up he goes into space. He gets rebooted. They retell the story. Now, after that, they're going to retell the story again. And they're going to make part 13. Where do you go with part 13? I don't understand. Man. I'm trying to. Th no, Jason X. So then Freddy versus, Freddy versus Jason was. That would have been 11. I don't know. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of shit going on. This is a problem with all these reboots because it, it really messes up just to watch these movies. It's like I, if I want to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if I explain any of these franchises, they don't make a lot of sense if you just sit down and watch them. I mean, you just got to kind of watch them as standalone movies because, like, you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then it's part two and then suddenly it's a comedy and then it's part three and there's, like, other people in the family then it's part four, and this guy with like a robotic leg, and now, and now uh, Leatherface is a uh, transvestite, and then, and then like, well, then what happens? And then it, 
it reboots itself, retells the story, and then they cut Jason's arm off. So I mean, they cut Leatherface's arm off and kill everybody else. It's like, well, we can't do that again. Let's go back in time. So now they're back in time and showing Jason. Uh, Le- I'm sorry, Leatherface just dropping out of his mom and being like a a crazy dude killing uh, cows. Which really isn't wasn't part of the first one. It was uh, it was the other family. It's clear in the first movie that Leatherface could never have been part of society. He he is beyond. He he can't fit in anywhere. This guy couldn't have had a job. This is this is a psychotic man. He's like a man child, a psychotic man child. He could not. He wasn't working anywhere. Not seven. He wasn't an Uber driver. He wasn't Seven Eleven. So, so then, anyway, so then, then from that, then they're like, well, now we're going to make a, a, a direct sequel to the first movie and we're going to bypass everything else. So then it's like, well, I got to wipe this out of my memory. Now I watch this god awful 3d movie and, 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 and Leatherface becomes like a hero at the end. It's very bizarre. Uh, so now we're going to go back in time again until the Leatherface is a boy and how he becomes Leatherface. It's awful. But I do love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And part two is very good, too. as It's kind of a standalone film. And then part three, I also think, is a good uh, just a, a good slasher film. So there we go. Uh, I don't know where the hell that started. But Friday, me trying to explain the franchise. All right. Uh, very sad news. John Hurt passed away. Uh, one of my favorite actors. Uh, I love uh, The Elephant Man. Uh, I love 1984. Uh, Midnight Express. Really, there's like so many roles to a name, but uh, those are the ones that really stick out. Oh, of course, Alien, uh, the ones that really stick out to me. Uh, I believe he had uh, cancers. Uh, too bad, huge uh, John Hurt fan, and uh, you know his movies are out there, so uh, um, he'll live uh, forever through his films. So uh, go out there and watch some John Hurt movies. Are the ones that I would recommend. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen Alien. Um, Alien, Midnight Express, Elephant Man, 1984, uh, but there's tons of other ones, so I don't, I don't want to say, you know, don't watch the other ones, they're all great. I haven't seen it yet, but Beware the Slender Man, uh, debuted on HBO this weekend, and, uh, I was really excited to, uh, to see that. Um, so anybody out there, uh, if you checked out, uh, Beware the Slender, Slender Man, let me know what you guys thought, and anyway, I'll probably watch it, uh. This, this coming weekend. Uh, big thanks to uh, Jason uh, Mitten. He sent me uh, the Greasy Strangler for my birthday. I'm so excited. I've been dying to see this ever since I heard the name. There's everything about this. Greasy Strangler. You got two things that are cool. He's greasy and he strangles people. Um, that was awesome. Just the name. I was like, okay, that's a movie. That's a movie I want to see. Then the trailer came. Well, then the poster. I was like, holy shit, that poster is awesome. Then the trailer came. I was like, oh, my God. So I've got to see this. I also need the Greasy Strangler hat. I just saw that, that it is for sale. The Greasy Strangler beanie. It is super sweet. So, uh, yes, I must have that. Um, yes. All right. So what else is going on in the world. Oh, did you see guys see the new King Kong poster? It's pretty cool. Um, it's odd because like in one hand, I think it's cool because it's, uh, it's definitely inspired by, um, 
by Apocalypse Now. But at the same time, it's like, well, is that like an homage to Apocalypse Now? Or is it just a copy of Apocalypse Now? Do, do kids even know? You know, do, do a lot of people even know that that's Apocalypse Now? So, I mean, well, I guess one one man's homage is another man's copy. So I don't know what to think of the new King Kong. Because, like, I'm a huge King Kong fan. Uh, original movie is one of my favorites. Um, I even like the remake, which some people don't like, but I liked it. I didn't like the 76 King Kong. Uh, this new one, he's, he's much, he's, he's very big and the trailer is very, it's, uh, it's kind of disjointed because like, it seems very serious on one level, but then it's also seems very comedic and obviously you can have comedy, uh, in a movie like that, but. The trailer is just very off balance because, like I said, it's, it doesn't seem like the uh, one blends with the other. So uh, I don't want it to be too comedic. It kind of looks like one of the Mummy movies, maybe you know the the, the Brendan Fraser ones. I don't know. I, I'll have to wait and see. I am interested in seeing it either way. Um, let's see. In a couple days, February fourth, uh, George Romero turns seventy-seven, and Sci-Fi is having a twelve-hour night of the Living Dead marathon. So that's pretty cool to uh, celebrate the life of George Romero. Um, we have the uh, massive blood drive, uh, women in horror month here in February. Um, now the reason I'm talking about this is uh, last year, uh, people know kind of my lost summer. I've talked about many times. Um, I was in the hospital. Um, I almost died uh, several times, and. Um, uh, not only from the surgery, but then after the surgery complications, I started to bleed out and I was, I was, uh, brought, uh, in the ambulance to, uh, to stop the bleeding and the result, and that happened three times and resulted in a massive lot loss of blood. So I'd have three blood transfusions, um, over a few days. And so, uh, the blood, uh, people donating blood saved my life. And it wouldn't have necessarily been something I had taken so personally before, but now that I have a experience with that, I know, you know, how important this is. And so, um, you know, everyone has blood, so everyone can donate it and you're doing something good and you can actually save lives. And that's not just like this weird thing you hear, oh, you can save lives. You don't really know what that means necessarily. You know what I'm saying? But, um, Hey, I know, I know for a fact it does save lives. It saved my life. So, um, if you can do that, uh, for, if you're living in Canada, it's one eight 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 two donate. And if you live in the States, you can call the Red Cross at one two Oh two three Oh three four four nine eight and find out where you can, uh, donate some blood. So, um, uh, let's see. Also, uh, this, the music of the month here in February, is Angry Johnny and the Killbillies. It's a little different than a lot of stuff we play in the show. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, there's lots of cool new merchandise over on our uh, on our store page. You go to uh, withoutyourhead.com slash store. And um, we've got all the, uh, the previous years of. So you can get the Year of the Evil Genius, Year of the Axe Murder, Year of the Hydra, and you can also get the brand new 2017 Year of the Beast. So you can get that in t-shirts, hoodies, long sea shirts, women's shirts, or kids shirts. Uh, the double-sided, they have like, uh, so it looks like, you know, um, name tag the beast on the front, on the breast. Back has the big logo, uh, 
by Annabelle Lecter. Really nice stuff. So uh, check that out, withoutyourhead.com slash store. Um, I was just watching uh, Hardware recently, Richard Stanley uh, film, and because uh, we're going to be having him on the show soon. And it was really interesting because the end is very topical, I think, to today, and I don't want to get too political on the show, and I want to spoil Hardware for people who haven't seen it, even though you know it's like uh, 30 years old. But at the end... Um, they're talking about, you know, they're going to do mass pro- mass production of, uh, of this the killer android thing. And they're talking about how great it is because, you know, it's going to build jobs. And it was really uh, interesting to see that in the movie. You know, it's kind of a universal theme and it's something that's uh, happening today. So uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Sharknado 5, Finternational has started filming. Uh, I'm sure people out there is very divided. You hear Sharknado, you think crap, or you think, oh, cool, I enjoy those. So anyway, the new uh, Sharknado film is coming out. And uh, you can check out our interview over on WithoutYourHead.com with um, uh, the director of, uh, of all the Sharknado franchises. It's up there. I think we did that last year right around when uh, Sharknado 4 was coming out. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, go to withoutyourhead.com. There's a lot of uh, great stuff coming up. We had uh, Sean Whalen tonight. Next week here on the show will be uh, Sof- Sophia Cacciola and Michael Epstein. And they'll be on live to talk to us about uh, the blood of the Tribids. That's going to be a, a great interview. Um, also, uh, this weekend... Um, Saturday uh, music night with uh, Johnny Rose horror music night. It's gonna have a lot of uh, cool bands. Um, I believe there'll be some interviews coming up soon on those shows. So what you do is you listen to the same. Uh, if you're listening live, you listen the same way, or you can go to withoutyourhead.com, click on the tune in link. It's uh, right up at the top. Um, then we have uh, Richard Stanley coming on the show. Um, you can go and watch his documentary Lost Soul. His documentary about him. Um, fantastic documentary and I'd highly recommend you, uh, go and watch that before you listen to the Richard Stanley interview coming up. So you get some homework there, headless ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, D Wallace will be coming on the show March uh, 30th. Uh, there's mad monster party coming up, Texas Frightmare weekend coming up. Uh, so go and check that out. There's a new, uh, event page, uh, event page over on without your head. You just go to withoutyourhead.com, and over on the right, it shows all the upcoming, uh, events. So it makes it easy to, uh, know what's going on in the world of without your head. So I, I know that Heather and Ebony are both, uh, they're both scared to call in and do their tall man impression. Just because you're just because you're female doesn't mean you can you can't do a tall man impression. So uh, if, if if you can if you got the guts you can call in and do your your tall man impression doesn't have to be live you could call in anytime throughout the week and leave a voice message that goes for everyone 508-413-3144 or Skype without your head anytime during the week leave a, a tall man impression. And we'll be giving out uh, copies of Phantasm Remastered and Phantasm Ravager. Which is pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. There's also a topic on the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash without your head horror. And it's about um, your favorite vampire movies. So uh, go up there and and, uh, leave some comments. 
Yeah, with your favorite and an upcoming Without Your Head, we'll talk about uh, everyone's favorites and our personal favorites. And I think it'll be a good discussion because vampire movies, uh, like a lot of things, um, they have some, some things in common, but some of them are, you know, a lot of them are completely different. Uh, there's so many different styles of uh, vampire films. You can, uh, there's romantic ones, there, you know, uh, you know, really nasty ones. Um, they kind of go all over, you know, and people can talk about, uh, have different, um, different things they want to say, you know, through the vampire genre. So, uh, what is your favorite and, uh, what, what kinds are your favorite? So it'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, I saw the, uh, trailer. This looks really cool. It's a, it's, there's a documentary about makeup nightmares in the makeup chair. And uh, they filmed Robert England uh, putting on the makeup uh, for Freddy Krueger, you know, quote-unquote, one last time. It was uh, for one of the conventions. And so they show the process, and they interview him about the process and the history of the makeup. And uh, so check out that trailer. It's very cool, and uh, I look forward to uh, to seeing the movie. Uh, I like uh, documentaries in general. Uh, horror documentaries are cool. And this one is uh, something that's, you don't. I don't think there's been a makeup documentary uh, not none that I've seen anyway, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. This is gonna be pretty sweet. All right. Well, anyway, this is Nasty Neil. Uh, I hope uh, my co-hosts are, are doing well. Uh, terrible one is under the weather. Um, so is Annabelle. So I hope to uh, to have my my uh, compadres back here once again with the nasty one, so we can be a tight unit. And seek and destroy once again. All right. So until next week, this is Nasty Neil, and this was without your head. <laughs> <laughs>
we're going to give you a prize. You're going to win Phantasm Remastered and Phantasm Ravager. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Because that was like a horrible impression. That's all right. <laughs> I, I'm proud that you called in anyway and did it. Oh, any time. That was uh, definitely one of the worst impressions I've probably ever done of... Uh... <laughs> That's all right. See, that's part of it. It's not necessarily the best. It's uh, if you have, uh, if you want to, if you call in and actually do it. I think that means something. Hey, it counts or something. Exactly. You got to be able to try, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Sean Whalen movie? Oh God, he's been in so many that I love. Uh, he was great in Idle Hands. Uh, he was hilarious in that. Um, let's see. He was in, um, put me on the spot and I started losing my time. It's true. Uh, idle hands. He was great in, he was great in, uh, of course, uh, um, I'm seriously losing my concentration right now. It's that whole Paul man thing. And I'm like, got the tall man anticipation going. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another one of his that I really loved that did. Oh, uh, Hebrew Hammer. Hello. Hebrew Hammer. I, Tiny I Tim and Hebrew I've, Hammer. I don't think I've seen this. I, I This is one I have to seek out. Oh, you've got to see it. Oh. Uh, you've got Andy Dick in it. I mean, there's just a ton of people in it, and it's awesome. I mean... Andy Dick is like the anti-Santa, like, <laughs> it's hilarious, and Sean Whalen playing Tiny Tim, he's just like this wicked little Tiny Tim nasty thing, and he's hilarious, like and I made that comment, mm-hmm. I had made that comment about uh, wanting to know more about that YouTube video, because like, in that video, he's doing the Tiny Tim impersonation. Mm-hmm. Like, he's doing the Tiny Tim voice and everything. And, oh, my God, it's just hilarious. I just love that character. Nice. It's uh, probably one of my favorite characters of his. Okay. So, but, yeah, you have to check out Hebrew Hammer. Yeah, it's, uh, I, just the name alone has me sold. Oh, yeah, it's one of my Christmas favorites. Oh, awesome. You know. I'll have to check you know. Out. Uh, the crust movie he's making that sounds great too. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's never let me down. Uh-huh. You know, any of them, any of the movies that I've seen him in, never let me down. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he's got coming up. Definitely. Yeah. And I definitely think it's really cool that uh, he's teaching that comedy art class. Yeah. At the James Franco School. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good for that's him. Uh, that, I saw that because uh, it's on his Facebook, too, about, and he mentioned uh, there's like a play coming up. I think it's already sold out, though, but uh, that would be a lot of fun to go see. And that would be a fun guy yeah. to, to learn uh, comedy from. He seemed to, you know, have a lot a uh, good uh, base on it. Right? I know, totally. I, I absolutely would take that class. I'd be like, okay, I probably can't afford to eat for the next year, but I'm going to take that class. Yeah. So, ramen, here I come. (laughs) Well, I hope to see you in Texas for Frightmare. That'll be fun. I'm going to definitely try. You know, I'm moving out to Baton Rouge, and uh, I know Texas is not that far from there. So, uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, I like visiting different cons, so... Mm -hmm. 
this would be my first one in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my so. first time when I went to Texas Freight there. Yeah, and uh, it looks like they're having a really awesome lineup. So that means that I'm going to end up spending a lot of money, (laughs) (laughs) as I do at every convention. But but it's it's free to watch watch him dance and do karaoke. I'm all about that. I totally want to see that because I have heard stories. Uh I have heard plenty of stories of him doing karaoke heard stories of his sick dancing skills so yeah mm-hmm. well you do that karaoke. oh absolutely oh great all right I'm oh yeah myself all about it uh-huh. awesome all right so yeah. i'm glad you called in it's the first time i've heard you oh no actually i think we've talked once before really well maybe i'm just yeah. a liar i guess yeah, it was a while ago. I think we were talking about creature creatures. Oh, actually, no, but, yeah, 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 definitely. It's been, it has been a while though. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It's been, it's been too long, Neil. Yeah, definitely. Way, way too long. Exactly. I've been <laughs> drinking golden tea since you told me. It's very good. Yes, isn't it awesome? It is awesome. Mm-hmm. I figure out. Isn't like, it delicious? Uh, yeah, it's great. So, uh, thank you for the, uh, thank you for the recipe. Well, for the, I never heard of it before, so thank you. Yeah, turmeric's awesome, man. I uh, feel like I get in tune with the uh, hippie that my parents like instilled in me when I make it. I'm like, God, I can't believe my parents are—they'd be so proud of me all of a sudden doing making hippie tea and stuff. Being like, yeah, it's really good for your joints. Ah, it's really healthy. Yeah. Be <laughs> like, what happened to that rebellious little punk from back when I was sixteen? looking down on me going what the hell happened to you (laughs) but all right well awesome it was good talking to you you too i even came back live you because it's a little bit delay she probably didn't hear i actually ended the show but then you said you were going to call in so i came back Uh, oh that is so sweet (laughs) you're awesome yeah i tell everybody about your show show, like i totally support your show 110 percent it's awesome. I always enjoy myself when I uh, get a chance to listen, and uh, you always give great interviews. So you get great guests. Thank so, you. I know. I know that the guest definitely helps the interview. Uh, <laughs> so I always enjoy it. So thanks a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Okay. Bye. Have a good night. You too. Bye. <laughs> All right. Bye. Oh, so that was cool. I guess I have to laugh again. Uh, Chai Town Matt, he had told me that, that I have a, a crazy laugh or something. like. Let me check this. Uh, Chai Town Matt, by the way. I'm glad uh, that he's, he's still... <laughs> I don't want to say that. I'm glad he's still kicking. But I'm glad I, I, re, I found uh, Chai Town Matt again. Um, let's see here. Grizzly laugh. Excellent. All right. So, anyway, this is still nasty, Neil. Uh, hopefully next week, soon we'll have, uh, everyone back here at Bell Lecter and Terrible Troy, and, uh, we'll be back as a unit, and, uh, I know the show's not the same without everyone here, and if you want to help out without your head, uh, if you, if you shop Amazon, which I'm sure everyone does, all you gotta do is go to withoutyourhead.com slash Amazon, and, uh, buy whatever you want, like you normally would, but if you go through that link... We'll get a little bit back, so it helps us out. All right, until next week, this is Nasty Neil. 
And this is still without your head. I think it's that, that many times. <laughs> Once again, it's raining. Can barely see the road. Feel my energy draining. Feels like my heart just might implode Everything is gray Everything is gray All the colors in my life are gone I think I hear you calling But it's only the wind Feel the temperature falling Feel like a stranger in this skin Everything is gray Everything is gray Yeah. 
and you showed me how much love can hurt. Everything is gray. Everything is gray. Everything is 